Welcome to the C3 Church Global Podcast with Phil Pringle. Phil is the founder and senior leader of C3 Church Global, a family of over 500 churches around the world. We're passionate about bringing you fresh, inspiring devotionals to fuel your day and insightful conversations on all things church and leadership. And it all starts right now. Thanks, everybody, for joining us today on C3 Church Global Podcast. My name's Phil Pringle. I'm the host of uh, our weekly program here where we're talking all things church and leadership. And I have one of the most fascinating guests with me in this conversation today, uh, Phil Cook. Welcome, Phil. Hey, I'm thrilled to be here, Phil. This is a little Phil times two. This is fun. This will be great. Uh, Exactly. Now, let me tell you, everybody, just a little bit about Phil. He is a writer, TV producer, media consultant. He's been in the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, NBC, CNN, Fox News, and more. He has a PhD in theology, people, and his latest book, Maximize Your Influence, How to Make Digital Media Work for Your Church, Your Ministry, and You. It is, let me tell you, people, it is fantastic. I personally think it's the best I've read on the subject. Plus, uh, he just doesn't deal with the, the media elements of church life. He also starts to deal with uh, hiring and firing and uh, boards and uh, church culture, a whole range of things. So besides being in the hurly-burly of church life, Phil's been shot at in uh, 60, well, he's been in 60 different countries and in some of them, he's been shot at. He's been caught up in military coups, been threatened with prison. Yeah. And to top it all off, he fell out of a helicopter. Welcome, Phil. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm thrilled to be here. This is funny. You know, it's ch- churches, ministry organizations do very difficult things in very challenging places in the world. So for us to go film them in all those 60 countries over the years, some interesting things happen. And I've, I've run into a few challenges. So it's, but it's great. Great stories for my grandkids, at least, now that I survived them. <laughs> I primarily would see you as a, a film producer. Yeah. Is that how you think of yourself? Yeah, it really is. I started out as a director, a producer, writer of, of documentaries, television specials. We've done Super Bowl commercials in, here in the U.S. We've done all kind of stuff. But uh, I've always had a heart for the church, and I've always struggled seeing the church have such a challenge getting their message out in this cluttered world we live in. I mean, one one researcher in the UK says the average person in the Western world sees about 10,000 media messages every single day. And in that world, how in the world do we ever cut through? How does a church get on the radar? How does a pastor and a leader like you get your message heard? So I've always had a real affinity and a real passion to help the church get their message out in this very distracted, uh, difficult culture that we live in today. What's the most successful ways you're seeing churches accomplish that? Well, you know, the digital world has changed everything, Phil. It's interesting. Most of us thought a few years ago when we went from analog to digital, we thought it was about getting a new TV set. But let me tell you, it's changed everything. As you well know, in the 1500s, when Gutenberg invented the printing press, Martin Luther seized on that and became the most read writer in the world at his time. And I think most people would say the printing press changed everything. It really changed the world. Well, today, the digital revolution, I think, is even bigger. It's impacting more things. It's having a much deeper, it's causing much deeper change out there. I mean, social media alone, look at how that's impacted our culture today for the for better and for worse. 
And so I think we just need to understand how to navigate that world. If we're going to keep our message out there, you know, my dad was a pastor and uh, back in the 60s. But in those days, if you had a Bible, a car, a good set of lungs, you could get your message out there pretty easily. There were only three TV channels here in the U.S. at the time. But today we have so much more competition. It's literally a media-driven culture. So I just do think that that uh, the big challenge for us today is learning how to navigate this digital revolution that's happening in order to keep our message in front of people. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I think you mentioned that there's over 2 billion people in Facebook or yeah. on Facebook and therefore it qualifies as the largest nation on earth. True, And Absolutely. who's sending missionaries to that nation? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like we need to get serious about that. In fact, I would love, Phil, for people to stop thinking about missions just in terms of geographical boundaries and start thinking about missions in terms of digital boundaries. I mean, your, your point is great. Facebook, by population, is now the largest country on the planet. And we need to be planting churches there, sending missionaries there. How do we reach that huge country of people? And I, I just think that's one example of the way we need to engage people more effectively online. Because trust me, they are online. Even little kids today, they learn how to operate an iPhone, an iPad, just almost right out of, out of after being born. And so we just need to yeah. understand how that, that, that's the language of this culture. And if we don't learn to speak that language, we're just going to lose influence more and exactly. more and more. You know, uh, Phil, I, the Bible model is that pastors, evangelists, the fivefold ministry are to equip the, the people in our congregations to do the work of the ministry. Yeah. And I believe that we should be in the zone of informing and training and helping our people use digital media and social media for reaching out to their friends and to their people. Now, uh, and so we're doing that in several different ways. One way is just a very simple way. When we do online services, the first three people who, who are presenting, yeah. The, the pre-show people, then the MC for the meeting, and then the preacher, uh, all of them, uh, we have told them at the start of what you're doing, invite people to text the link to other people so they can just hit that and jump on and be part of the service. Yeah. And we have found that that, that happens instantly. It's not like turn up on Tuesday because uh, we've got a church service. It's right now. Yeah. Pastor Phil is talking about mental health. This may help you. So jump on. And all they got to do is hit the link and they're there. And they can leave if they want, if yeah, they don't sure. like it. Yeah. But the, And they don't even have to put the image up on the Zoom screen. They can just be in there getting a taste of what our, we're all about. And I think there's got to be a multitude of things that we do that empower our people with digital uh, toolboxes yeah. to go out. Uh, we got people in our church who've got like 75,000 followers or viewers on YouTube channels uh, because they presenting what their story is. And I think everybody's story is unique. Nobody else has lived their life. Totally true. And they can just go on and talk about their loves, their passions, and they might find five people on the other side of the screen. Well, that's more than we were reaching before. <laughs> that's true. That's absolutely true. And it's funny. It's funny you say this because I was talking to a friend just this morning about the fact that 
pastors rarely teach their people just how to communicate the gospel to other people. Um, it, you know, we leave it up to the professionals like you, and we forget the fact that it's up to us. And social media is right. such a powerful tool for sharing our faith. And it's not about, you know, it's not about constantly preaching or lecturing or teaching people. It's just about engaging. I, I, I wrote a book a few years ago called The Way Back. And w when I was researching that book, I discovered that more than two thirds of people here in the U.S. don't even know their neighbors' names. I mean, come on, let's at least start there. You don't have to take them a track. You don't have to witness to them. Just take them a pie. Just go over and introduce yourself. Just start a relationship. There's a, a, a great sociologist here in the U.S., Rodney Stark, who says that uh, in order to be effective you know, witnesses to people, he said, the single greatest reason people can convert is because they want to be like those people. And so are we living the kind of life that people want to be like? Are we engaging people in a way on social media and through other ways that make people think, wow, that guy's got a great marriage. That guy's got a great family. I want to be like him. We, we just need to think about how individual people can have an impact out. I mean, keep, keep in mind, social media is exponential. We live in a world where a housewife in the middle of nowhere can create so much momentum on social media. She can launch a movement or bring down a major company. Social media is far more powerful than we think for sharing the gospel and I think we just need to get really really serious about doing it yeah and we and you're going to get haters oh you're yeah. going to get pushback oh, yeah. that's that's the world we live in and they can come at you with every kind of malicious statement under the sun you can block them or else you can just laugh at it but you've got to accept that fact and we should teach our people to stand up for Jesus in yeah. their social media world like you said and uh and I think uh, some of the things that you've said, just the little tips, I think I find those really helpful. Things like you, I think you've said, respond, reply to the people who talk to you. Yeah. It's social media. Well, you know, we forget that social media is social. And, and social media, so many churches today have used it as a megaphone. It's a one-way conversation. It's constant. If you look at the feed of social, most churches today, it's, it's just a, a talking about all how awesome we are. Here's a clip of the pastor's message. Here's a scripture for you. Here's our youth effort. Here's our, our summer kids program. Here's our Christmas pageant. It's all just announcements. But social media is supposed to be a conversation with people. So very often I'll challenge pastors, don't just post things on social media. Look and see how people respond to you. And then you go back and you engage with those people. I mean, I know, some, particularly somebody like you, Phil, you don't have all day long to just engage with people on social media. You're running a major global ministry. But the truth is, if we take some time and just respond, I had a pastor of about 4,000 members, a church on the East Coast here in the U.S. called me a few months ago. And he said, Phil, this is going to sound super cheesy and super spiritual, and I don't mean it this way, but he said, I, I never responded to people. And I know you've told me to do this over and over. And, and uh, he said, so last week I had a woman ask me a theological question on Facebook. So I decided I'm going to respond to this lady. So I did. I explained, you know, the, my point I was making. And he said, lo and behold, she showed up in church on Sunday. And he said, then to my shock, at the end of the service, she came forward and accepted Christ. And he said, then to my greater shock, on Monday, I got a message that she had been killed in an auto accident. He said, I don't want to sound, you know, super spiritual or, or cheesy, but I think, what if I'd never engaged with that woman on social media? What, what could have happened? So, like I say, we can't spend a whole day doing it, but I just think if we took a little time and started creating conversations on social media, we would really reach far more people, make a deeper impact, and I think getting those people more and more serious about the gospel. So it's just remember, it's not a one-way conversation. It's a two-way conversation, and we need to engage with people. That's incredible. Yeah, I, th I think um, 
we are so uh, addicted to mass outcomes, like we're going to reach yes. masses of people, we want large church gatherings. But just this one, if you can just reach one person online yeah. and use, like I said, use in your story. I mean, some there may be some mums out there who love cooking apple pie yeah, and you're really good at it. All your children love it. Your grandkids love it. You could you could show people how to cook that thing, and then just somewhere in there sprinkle a little bit of Jesus. And uh, absolutely, I have a Brazilian lady in our church, and uh, she uh, she has been awarded an award from her comp- her country for being a great ambassador for Brazilians here in Australia in Sydney. So she has a show that she speaks to Brazilians in, Bra- in Portuguese, which is their natural language, which is their native language. And, and as she s- speaks that, she tells them where to go to buy groceries, where to go to hospital, where, where to get your petrol, where to go to find a house to rent, and where to go to church. And uh, this is your church. It's just part of the whole thing. And so pretty well, at least once a month, or it seems to me like every week, she has somebody on her arm that she's bringing to church. And, and that's, that's, that's just awesome. such a simple way to take your story and make it meaningful for people in the digital world. Because the plain fact is nobody buys a, a pin these days without going online. Most true. marriages start online. Most car buyers, 99.9% have bought them online or searched it online, the houses, your clothes, everything. Yeah. So the fact is nobody's coming to our church unless they've first seen something online that's going to actually be appealing to them. Yeah, you know, I, and I also encourage people, don't be a jerk about it. You know, be humble. Work it into your conversation. There's so many Christians that are really condescending and critical of other viewpoints and other people, particularly when it comes to political issues and stuff like that. And I just discovered, I, I've never seen anybody who was won to Christ because of shame and humiliation. You just don't shame people into the kingdom <laughs> of God. And so, you know, just be That's humble. I, I am constantly amazed at how many Christians can just be kind of jerks online. And it's it's just sad. So I, I love your point about working it into the conversation. I was on a flight the other day. I'm, I've been flying pretty consistently, consistently through this whole lockdown thing. And uh, I, I was sitting next to a woman the other day uh, and she had obviously not flown before at all. Um, older woman, much older lady, and she was struggling with her seatbelt. And uh, so I reached over and and it was like a six o'clock in the morning flight. I mean, nobody should be flying at 6 a.m., but I was an idiot and I was on that flight. <laughs> Sat next to her and helped her with, I reached over and helped her with her seatbelt, got it fastened and made a joke in the process. And she said, whoa, 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 whoa. The, the 6 a.m. is way too early to be funny. The, the, what's, where does that come from? <laughs> and it gave me an opportunity to share where, where my joy comes from. I didn't make a, I didn't preach a sermon or teach her a biblical lesson, no. just shared where my joy came from. And so those kind of moments, they're, they're there if we really look for them. They pop up all the time. Oh, yeah, they are. And, and I think interacting with fun is always, is oh, yeah. always good. I've, I've always found also that in person, if, if I'm with a person who mentions a need, because most people have got something to complain about, True. something that's troubling in their life, you can say, beautiful day, great time, economy's good. And generally someone will say, yeah, 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 yeah. But, you know, and, and that can be a point rather than judging them for being complaining. You can actually say, well, you know, I can pray for you about that. Yes. And they say, why? How, how would you do that? Well, 
and then they think you're going to go away and pray for I generally would say, look, why don't we pray now? I can just pray for you. We don't have to be weird about it. But they will feel the presence of God. Yeah. And and I have never been refused, Phil. Uh, even, you know, kind of proud old businessman. That's, what do you mean, pray? <laughs> and I'd say, yeah, well, you're facing some trouble with the government contracts. Yeah. I've, I've found God likes getting involved in business. We that, Let me pray for you. The, the prayer thing is, I don't mean to interrupt, but that prayer thing really struck a chord. We, I've, I have a friend here as a producer in Hollywood. She's a really strong Christian. And she, every meeting she goes to with a studio head, with, with, with other actors, producers, every meeting, at the end of the meeting, she'll always say, would you mind if I prayed for you? And I don't care yeah. how, how atheist, how non-believing, these yeah, may yeah. be raging pagans from Hollywood, she's never been turned down. They always say, oh yeah, would you Incredible. mind, that'd be awesome. People, I don't know if, I don't care if they don't like Christianity or they don't care about Jesus, but they love if you pray for them. So it's amazing how powerful just that simple offer can be with people. Oh, so, 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 big. so big. Hey, listen, um, getting back to your world, your media world, uh, what's the most significant uh, projects you've found yourself on uh, in, in recent years? Well, it's, it's, we've done a number of things. We just finished a documentary uh, right before the shutdown, the, the COVID shutdown that on the rise of Christianity in Asia. We, we filmed in India, Mongolia, China, uh, Japan and Korea. In fact, we were in China right before the shutdown. We thought my, we might be patient zero with COVID. We were worried, but we, we weren't. We got out. Um, but it won a ton of awards. I mean, we were competing against HBO and Microsoft and, and Discovery Channel and all these major secular channels, and we won a bunch of awards with that documentary. Uh, but one of the most interesting things we've done recently is we, we started working with a really small ministry in Atlanta, a woman named Ann White, who has a real burden from God to teach the Bible to at-risk women. So she has, she has Bible teachers, female Bible teachers, in the women's jail system in, in the Georgia area here in the U.S., teaching the Bible to these women. And she came to me and said, I want to do an audio Bible. She said, I don't, you know, most of these these women can't, they, they can't, they're running from husbands that beat them up or they're homeless and they're struggling carrying a big old Bible around. If they could have it on their phone in the form of an audio Bible, that would be great. We did a little study and we discovered that if, you, if a woman's been beaten up by a guy for years, the last thing in the world she wants to hear is the Bible being read in a man's voice. So we started doing some research and discovered nobody ever recorded the entire Bible exclusively with women's voices. So we did it. And now it's on digital awesome. tablets in the Missouri prison system, the Georgia prison system. It's like 65,000 digital tablets that female prisoners use. And we discovered in the process that men like, male prisoners like it because many of them were beaten up by their dads, <laughs> you know, when they were kids and they love to hear a woman reading the Bible. So I just love- Every man loves his mother. Oh yeah. And I just love innovative, original thinking. You know, when you come up with something that nobody's ever done before, that really breaks through and makes an impact with people, I'll tell you, I'm in. So whether it's a television program or a film or an online project or this audio Bible, I mean, I never thought I would be producing an online Bible, but it's been so successful. Incredible. Now we're doing the same thing in Spanish. We're recording it right now in Spanish. Wow. So I just, I just love. Incredible. I love people that have a real vision, a unique, original yeah, vision well, for things. You've always been at the cutting edge of that. <laughs> and I remember actually, you may not remember, but I remember I, for a time in my ministry, because I'm a, an artist, yep. I would do live paintings and I did them a lot in a lot of churches help with their building funds when people would buy them. 
and uh, and then got a lot of people come to Christ through that. And uh, sometimes it was a bit sketchy, <laughs> so to speak, <laughs> uh, because you're using local talent for the yep. sound and for everything else. But uh, I remember in L.A. I did one and you turned up. Yeah. Oh, I was blown away by that. Blown away. In fact, I think you were planting a new congregation in North Hollywood yeah, yeah. here in Los Angeles. Yeah. And um, I heard about it and I'd never met you before. And I heard about this C3 thing. I didn't know if it was a cult or what, but um, <laughs> right. I just wanted to check it out. And man, I was blown away. And I love what you did. That was so unique. <laughs> Um, I, I tell you this, Phil, I am anti-gimmick. And I find a lot of pastors do gimmicky things to try to get the gospel out. Yeah, yeah. It usually ends badly. Yeah. But what you were doing was so unique and so different. I mean, I'll tell you, the audience was captivated. When, when I go see a presentation like that, I watch the audience as much as I watch the stage. And those right. people were mesmerized. And so I just need to, I learned, yeah. I needed to find out more about this Phil Pringle guy. And it's, it fantastic. Yeah, we... I, I agree with you on the gimmick thing, you know. Yeah, th well, thank you, thank you for that. that and uh, uh, the 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 sense of watching a gimmick is like a slow train crash, right? It is, uh, it is, it is just disastrous because it goes from bad to worse, and yeah. and you you're cringing. I just think the straight preaching of the gospel. But when I felt like God told me do the cross live and the resurrection. Uh, they're pretty much the only paintings I've ever done live, one or two others, but uh, mostly it's the gospel story. And I, myself, I am very moved when I'm when I've been doing those. I'm weeping yeah. as I'm, you know, picturing Jesus on that cross. It's a hard, it's a very hard painting to paint. And uh, I think if you've got a sense of being moved by what you're doing and using your gifts and using your your art to actually communicate Christ, then uh, then you're going to actually find um, find you've got a good response, um, so Phil. Uh, yeah, uh, I heard a story that you told about uh, you were doing something in Africa. Yeah, and uh, there was it's a beautiful story because it's about somebody who thought they were very unsuccessful yeah. in their ministry. And it's basically the power of, some, of something of what we're talking about. I won't give away the, the punchline, but I'd like you to, sure. can, you, can you tell us that story? I was, in, I was in Africa filming years ago, a big evangelistic effort um, early in my career. And I met a guy named Nicholas Bingu. He was an African evangelist and he had reached more Africans in his career with the gospel than any man in history. And in fact, Time Magazine here in the US called him the Billy Graham of Africa. And um, I got a chance to interview him. And so I set up my camera, set up my lights. I was super excited. I mean, here's the guy that's reached more Africans than any man in history. And um, I set him down. He was, he was quite old by then. He's passed away since, but he was quite old even then. And I said, tell me about this. I mean, you've reached more Africans than any man in history. What, tell me about this. And he was very humble. And he said, no, 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 let me tell you a different story. And he told me a story, uh, and I'll be quick, but he told me a story of that many, many years earlier, a young missionary couple had come over from the United States to Africa. And he said uh, they were all excited, they were all passionate about sharing the gospel, but apparently they weren't very good at it because they would preach and nobody would come. Uh, but they were faithful and they would stay with it and they'd try to minister to people and they got no response whatsoever. In fact, it was interesting that they'd come back after a few years and on furlough and try to raise money for their effort and how difficult it is to raise money when you don't have a single convert to show for your effort. And but they, <laughs> as I said, they were faithful. So they went back, they built a church nobody came to. And in fact, after years and years and years of ministry in Africa with no results, the only person they even made any kind of connection with was the, this little African kid who helped them carry their gear. 
but nobody, I mean, they made no impact. So after just literally decades of doing this with no results whatsoever, uh, the, the denomination that sent them over there said, guys, this is embarrassing. We, we you know, we've been funding these people. Uh, they're getting no results whatsoever. We need to just bring them back. And so they came home totally shamed, totally humiliated. In fact, they said in those days, uh, Nicholas said in those days, they traveled by boat. And so when they came to get on the ship there in Africa to leave the country, the only person after 30 years in ministry in Africa, the only person to see them off was this little kid helping them with their gear. He said they came home so embarrassed that within you know, a few years, they finally died, an abject failure. And that's when Nicholas Bingu looked at me and he said, you know, Phil, what they didn't realize was I was that little kid. And he said, since that time, I have reached more Africans than any man in history for the gospel. He said, God didn't send those missionaries over there to reach 10 people or 100 people or 1,000 people. He sent them over there to reach me. And since that time, I've reached hundreds of thousands of Africans for the gospel. Amazing. It, yeah. I'll tell you, it was such a powerful story that it's not our job to keep score. You know, we don't know what's happening. When yes. you're sh- and this is so applicable for social media. When you're sharing your faith online, you don't have any idea who might be looking and watching and maybe thinking exactly. about that. And that was just a positive exactly. And the way that each individual shares their faith is unique to yes. some people in the world who are gonna hear it, who won't hear it from 50 others. You know, it's like, uh, I mean, if I, and you probably as a boomer, start yeah. to talk to young people about, you know, you, you shouldn't use your device like that. They go, yeah, what would you know? You're a boomer. <laughs> but you get somebody at their, in their generation yeah. speaking with a prophetic, powerful voice, then they're going to reach them. And then within a certain other strata of a niche, there's, there's only certain people that they can reach. And if everybody is activated within the church to employ social media, yeah. And to create some story, like you just said, it's the power of one. And that's why I wanted you to share that story, because sometimes we're thinking, how am I going to reach the masses? And I've had so many pastors say that. How am I going to cut through? How's my voice going to rise above all the other voices? I said, why are you trying to do that? Yeah, Nobody does that. You don't need to just sort of cut through and rise above and be heard by the masses. There may be only 20 people out there that you're gonna actually influence, but you don't know what they're gonna do. And so at least do what you can do with what you've got. I tell people often, particularly with social media, it's not about the most followers, it's about getting the right followers. I would rather have a hundred people follow me that believe in me and encourage me and wanna share my message out with other people. I'd rather have that any day than a million followers that really don't care very much. So I it's think so that it's the right followers is who you want to find because they're the ones that can really help you change the world. Okay, uh, Phil, you know, drawing to a close, I mean, this is, we could go on forever oh, to yeah. tell you the truth. Phil is like a wellspring of, uh, <laughs> of knowledge, information, wisdom. He's an apostle in the media world for the church. There's no doubt about that. And if you're a pastor and or a leader of a movement, you want somebody to come speak to your teams uh, about uh, digital media, you couldn't do better than Phil Cook. And uh, what is, what is where can people get a hold of you, uh, Well, Phil? you can find out everything you need to know at philcook.com. I'm Cook with an E, P-H-I-L-C-O-O-K-E. You can, it's, it's, my blo- it's where I write my blog every week and I'm writing about these things at the intersection of faith, media, and culture. 
and uh, they can find my books there and um, invite me to come and speak or reach out to me if you have a question. I'd encourage people listening or watching this to this episode. You know, if you have a question, don't hesitate. Go to my blog. You can send me a note. I'd be happy to talk to you and answer it and, and do my best. But that's kind of the hub, philcook.com yep. is where everything that's is. That's the Phil Cook. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. And I've personally heard Phil Cook and his wife Kathleen both speak. Kathleen is great, yeah. My wife is much smarter than me. They are both. They are both re- really engaging speakers. I thought you did uh, a brilliant job at that GPKM. I think it was in Dubai. Yeah, it was. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. And uh, you did a brilliant, brilliant job. But I got to say, your wife was pretty good too. She uh, presented, uh, you know, the the needs of young people around the world. I remember that very distinctly, and uh, their values, etc. And so how we were, were able to orientate and calibrate our messages and our, our ministries to those to those ends. Well, Can I ask you, Phil, in, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, before we go, I got to, I got to offer a little tribute to you. I, you know, after that incident, after I visited that church in North Hollywood, your C3 church there, and you, you were doing your painting, um, I came to Australia and I visited your church and you had me come talk to your team, but I'll never forget, this was a long time ago, before iPhones. And you were walking around with a little video camera and recording things and shooting stuff that you were uploading to the web. And I just thought, what a pioneer you were. In those early days, you were capturing video of these little off-the-cuff, casual, improv moments and sharing it with people, encouraging people. And I just thought, man, you got it. You were one of the early inspirations for me that I saw pastors (laughs) really is, they're getting this digital world here. And you jumped on board early and I've been so impressed with that. Well, yeah, and, and I think that uh, in the zone, in so many areas uh, of the digital world, the church has been slow. And I think COVID has forced us yeah. uh, oh. in, in, to become online people and to recognize that nobody is buying anything or getting married or buy, moving forward and training unless they're doing it online. Yeah. And the church was still wanting to be in person. And, and I think one of the big mistakes the church made was when we were forced online, is that we thought, oh, I'll take my church service and I'll dump it online. Right. And <laughs> no matter that it wasn't working before very well, but now it's doubly, yeah. 10 times not gonna work. It is a totally different service. It it's not an hour 45 long. It's gotta be an hour or, or around that to, to keep people engaged. Uh, even that's a pretty long online service. Yeah. One song is almost too many. Uh, at the start for people to handle. That's right. The giving element, people must be able to give through online and digital means, not just writing out checks and things. I mean, we're well into that, but I remember when we introduced online giving in our church, there was pushback, there was reaction as though that's sort of an unholy thing to do. (laughs) I'm going, please, people, it's just giving. And it's doing, it's doing, like you do your shopping. It's doing it online. Well, you know, I think one of the big, I think one of the big mistakes we make in the church is we look at these things through our viewpoint rather than their viewpoint. And when we're doing social media, when we're promoting the church, when we're trying to encourage people to visit, when we're live streaming, we think about how we think it should be done, not how they're gonna engage. If you're at home in your living room eating cereal with a magazine and four kids running around yelling, you know, how are they gonna engage? It's not like that, like you say, it's not like that church experience. And I think we're living in a world where it's not how we wanna reach people, it's how those people want to reach us. And we have to be available in the way they want to reach us. That's going to be the secret to the future. 
Ah, no doubt about it. It's the secret of the future. Talk about the future as we come to a close, Phil. Sure. I think, you know what? How do you see us traveling? I think you're exactly right. Uh, COVID, if, if there's anything positive that came out of this whole virus, it's made pastors and church leaders aware that we have to engage people online. We just have to do it. And I think as we emerge, this is not the time to take your foot off the gas pedal. We need to keep, you know, it's not either or. It's not live service versus online service. It's both and. We want to make a hybrid experience so that whether they engage us in the building, in the room, or whether they engage us online, they still have the power of God interacting with them. And so I just encourage pastors and leaders that we want to keep that vital link online. I, I personally think that pe a significant number of people will probably cut back maybe one Sunday a month visiting church and stay at home and watch online. So we need to keep that vital. We need to keep that link. Don't just hang a camera on the balcony of the, the second, you know, the railing of the church and assume that's your live stream. It needs to be important. And you need to treat that audience seriously, just like they were your congregation. And if you do that, I can guarantee you they will respond. So in the future, I'm just looking forward. And, and by the way, one more thing, and I'll shut up, is the, the most encouraging thing I, I'm seeing is pastors are, say, are, are saying, you know, we've done church pretty much the same way for the last 200 years. Why don't we mix things up now? And so we're seeing churches that some of them aren't going back every week to a Sunday service. They're gonna live stream one, two, three Sundays a month. Others are doing a daily mass, kind of like the Catholic model where they're doing a, a Facebook group on Monday through Friday, every morning at seven o'clock and they're getting hundreds and sometimes thousands of people coming to that. Others, I know one guy that's done communion every single day online for 370 days wow. so far. Amazing. So I'm thrilled that pastors are rethinking the model. It doesn't mean we compromise our theology or water down what we believe. It just means how are we gonna adapt to the lifestyle and the way people live today in a way to bring the gospel in a fresh new way to them. So I say, keep it up. Let's keep exploring and looking and seeing how we could be relevant to this generation. So good, so good, Phil. And uh, so thankful that you've been willing to give your time uh, again <laughs> here with us. And I can guarantee you this is gonna work uh, really well. This is gonna have such a great reach to so many pastors, leaders and it. people. In the, in, in the church and, and beyond. And so thank you My for your time and, uh, and your wisdom. God bless you. Thank you, Phil. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the C3 Church Global Podcast. Let us know what you thought by leaving a review and connect with us on Instagram at C3 Church Global. We hope you'll be back real soon.